Today's our third and final week of our series uh, called Keep It Moving, right? We've been talking about that, by keeping it moving after a great uh, beginning of the year and, and, and January with prayer and fasting and a great first Mission Sunday. You know, I've just been encouraging you to keep it moving, keep it moving spiritually, your relationship with the Lord and all that goes into that. And I've really been, I, I, I plan to hit on three major things and I hit on two of them already. Week one was press on. It was press on with your relationship with the Lord. Press on to the heavenly goal, as, as Paul says in Philippians. 3, right? I gave you three aspects of pressing on towards the heavenly home and the heavenly goal, the heavenly prize. It's our heavenly calling, the heavenly focus, man, staying focused on what the Lord's called us to do, and then our heavenly duty as priests. I mentioned it last week. I'm even mentioning it again as we wrap up this morning. And then last week, I showed you how we must keep it moving in unity as, as a church, that we, we should be in unity. We, not that we're never going to disagree. We all have disagreements, but we continue to work together in unity, right? I showed you from Scripture the attributes of unity, the actions of unity, the affection, atmosphere, and the agreement of unity. So in essence, in week one, we focused on continuing to move, keeping it moving up, our upward focus with the Lord. Last week, I, I, we focused on in, right? Focus on our relationships in the church and being in unity in the church, right? So today we're going to conclude our series as we continue to, fo- as we focus on continuing to move out by bringing Christ to the lost world around us. Amen? Focus on our upward calling and relationship, our relationships in the church through life groups. Again, I want to encourage you about our life groups. Our life group semester just launched. Check out. There's a shelf uh, right here on to my left on the hallway, and there's also one in the commons area. You can go also on our website or app. Check out all the life groups. We have over 20 of them uh, that we have to offer. I actually just found out about another one last week. I think it's around 22 different life groups that you can get involved in. And today we're going to look at going out, right? In, the ne- in a few chapters in 2 Corinthians is where we're going to be today, the Apostle Paul gives us some imagery of what it's like when we bring Christ to the lost world. He gives us some beautiful imagery and different kinds of imagery of what that looks like, right? I've preached many messages. You know, I love evangelism. I have a heart for evangelism. We had a few brothers and sisters go out last night and evangelize and and and, and just go hit the streets and tell people about the gospel. This is a subject I, I love to preach on, you know. Uh, but before we get into the scriptures, I want to kind of set the stage and remind you of a few things. As I was studying, I was reminded in in, in uh, 30 AD, as we see in the book of Acts, the church started with 120 believers. Remember, all the believers were gathered uh, and, and, and when the, on the day of Pentecost. That was the church, 120 believers. Now, check this out. 30 years later, 60 AD, 30 years later, half of the Roman Empire had believers and churches in it. Think about that. In 30 years... And how much of, and I didn't geographically look how much it covered, but it was a lot. As we say down here, it was buku, right? It was, it was a lot. They, 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 it, the, the church exponentially exploded in 30 years. Half of the Roman Empire had believers and churches in it. Their thinking was, their mindset as an early church was, we have to get this message out around the entire globe. That was the, that was the mindset. The question for you and I today is, do we have that same passion and urgency? Are we living with the same urgency the early church had? Because we see what happened when it did. And they didn't have airplanes and social media and cell phones. 
Yet they jumped on ships. They walked everywhere they can go and travel by any means and still the church exploded all through the known world that quickly. See, today, some people may have their own mindset that, that they think maybe the message has gone out all across the globe. And although there is missions work being done all over the world, you know, there's still unreached people groups that have never heard the gospel, that have never heard the name of Jesus. Actually, some of you, uh, I just thought about this. Some of you uh, know the Gaspards, uh, uh, Brady and, and, and um, Tara, their daughter Alyssa was here on the, uh, on the worship team. She got married. Her and her husband moved uh, to home where he's from. And they did a fundraiser here yesterday because they're raising money uh, to go on another mission trip to uh, Kenya, Africa. And we and Cassie had lunch with, with Alyssa and Ian one day. And he was talking about that, that they go into the bush in Kenya. And they literally go preach the gospel to people that have never even seen people with our color skin at all. Never even seen, more or less heard the gospel. They have to translate it. So they're literally doing it. Like they're, like they literally go into unreached people groups of Africa. You know, and that kind of stuff stirs my heart up. So there, even though there's missionaries that go out all over the world, there's still people that need to hear the gospel. Amen. And even though in some form of fashion, this is not a message about solely global missions. There's people in your work tomorrow that need to hear the gospel. And maybe they've heard the gospel, but they're still not saved yet. They still are not born again, and maybe because they don't have the right concept or whatnot. So I want to give you some different aspects of what it may look like. We have to keep bringing Christ to the lost and hurting world around us. Would you agree? So how do we do this? We're going to jump into a few different chapters in Corinthians and look at that. How do we do this? Number one, keep celebrating Christ's victory. And here's the scripture for that. We're going to jump into it. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says this. But thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphant procession in Christ and manifests through us the aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Let's pray. Lord, we need your help. Would you help us today? Help me as I preach, help us to receive it and to bring your word, your love and your truth to Lord, our neighbors, our friends, our family, our co-workers and all across the globe. In Jesus name. Amen. Now, again, I'm, I'm going to give you some 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 insight. Again, this is imagery. And you got to remember, Paul's writing this through the eyes of a Roman world that he was living in. Right. He's there's, it's Israel's under Roman occupation. So he's looking at all this. He's writing this, knowing that they would understand what he's talking about. The picture here is what's known as a Roman triumph, which was the special tribute parade that Rome would give to their conquering generals. When they won a great victory, they would throw them this massive parade. They would, they, the, they would uh, be on display. It, it, in our day and age, it would be like a victory parade for a sports uh, team, whether it be a, a professional team or a college team. When they win a championship, a national championship, Super Bowl, whatever, they usually come home and a few days later they have this huge parade. That's what it would be equivalent to. But back then, if a commander-in-chief won a complete victory over the enemy on foreign soil, and he had killed at least 5,000 enemy soldiers and gained new territory for the emperor, then the commander-in-chief was entitled to this Roman triumph. And this processional would include the commander riding in a golden chariot surrounded by his officers. The parade would also include the display of spoils of battle as well as captive enemy soldiers. The processional would follow a special route uh, that through not only the city that they were in, like going back to Rome, but all the cities that they had conquered. If they conquered a city, they would start from that city and they would head back into Rome. So I told you all that to say, how does this apply to us? Well, the Lord Jesus Christ is our great commander in chief. 
This is the picture Paul is painting here. And he came to foreign Saul, so to speak, right? Because he was seated at the right hand of the Father already, right? He was at the be he was a, the king of glory in heaven. He came to the earth in foreign soil and completely defeated the enemy. But instead of killing people, he came to save and set people free. Amen. They would celebrate victory of killing and conquering people. Jesus came to conquer the enemy, death, hell, and the grave, but to save and to set people free. And just like they had spoils of battle, Jesus Christ claimed the spoils of battle by saving lost souls and those who had been in bondage. This is interesting. Also in these Roman uh, victory parades, I love this. The victors, the victorious general's sons would walk behind their father's chariot, sharing in the victory, right? That's why the scripture tells us, right, that, that Christ is leading us, right? He always leads us in this tribe, but we're his sons and daughters, and we get to celebrate in the victory that he has won. Amen? Remember, we're talking about bringing Christ to the world. Are we living in victory, in celebration of that victory? Amen? Sounds like blue is. Anybody else? Amen? Living a day-to-day like, like we are living in victory, even when you don't feel like it. Is it just me, or there's days where it's harder to worship than others? Are there Sunday mornings you come in here, it may be harder to worship. Days where it's harder to pray. But we still got the victory, y'all. Christ still won. Our circumstances doesn't change Christ's victory. And we should be celebrating that. Amen? This is what we should do today. We're called to demonstrate the victory of Jesus Christ. Not just mention this. It's like the victory parade of a team that just won the Super Bowl. I looked it up. Check out this picture. This is this year's. Victory parade for the Kansas City Chiefs. Look how many people are out there that showed up in Kansas City to celebrate a championship of a football game. Why am I showing you that picture? Because the Bible says that should be our life every day. We should be showing up and showing out for Jesus in a triumphant way, in a, in a, a parade of victory, of march, uh, so to speak. Not that we, and we have had like marches and stuff like that before. But our lives should be this, right? And I believe that on Sunday mornings when we come together, that's part of what it is, is that we're coming together celebrating Christ's victory. But I'm looking at it through an evangelistic lens saying, listen, if thousands of people could celebrate like this for a sports team, how much more should we celebrate joyful victory over trials and tribulations, circumstances because of Christ? And I mean, sadly, and I don't want to overlook, you know, they had a shooting at that parade and, and a young lady got killed. And, 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 and again, even that marred by, by tragic circumstance, right? But this is a powerful witness to the world. When you, not only, when you not only live, but you proclaim the victory of Jesus, come on, you're proclaiming the good news of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's one of the pictures he gives. Number two, keep carrying his presence. Do you know you're a carrier of the presence of God? Do you know you're a carrier of God's presence? God don't live in this building. He shows up in this building. The Bible says you and I are temples of the Holy Spirit. So if the Holy Spirit's inside of us, that means the presence of God is inside of us, right? That means we're carriers of his presence, right? Now, yes, God's presence makes manifest when we come together and we worship, but we're carriers of his presence. Watch this, 2 Corinthians 2, 15 and 16. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we're a life-giving perfume. Wow, what a scripture, huh? 
Same fragrance, it smells different to different people, right? See, let's stay in, and remember, Paul's writing this in a, in a mindset of the day and age he's living it. Still staying in the parade mindset from the first verse we read. Another thing about Rome in these victory parades, the Roman priests would also uh, be in the parade burning incense to pay tribute to the victorious army. So the priests would be burning incense. So when they had these victory parades, there was a certain smell. And for the Romans that were Roman citizens and the, and the, the army, it was a great smell. It was a victorious smell. But for those that were held prisoners of war, it was a dreadful smell. Same fragrance. It was incense being burned. But for them, they knew they were being led to about to be killed or made slaves. Right? See, think about that. It's, a, it's amazing he uses this imagery. We know this. There's nothing that's more memorable than a smell. Isn't that right? When you smell something you haven't smelled in decades, you remember it distinctly. Isn't that right? You could smell something and like, man, I hadn't smelled that since I was a kid. And it, it could bring you right back to a place, to a room, whether it be good or bad, right? You know, I know for me, I think about it, and every time, for a lot of us down here in South Louisiana, the smell of onions, bell peppers, and celery being cooked down to make a roux or a, a, a gravy for a good meal. Come on, somebody, isn't that right? With the windows open on a cool day with the, and you, isn't that a good, that smell, those, even just the smell of the fresh air, a lot of us, that's some good memories, right? You, you, you can, you, you have, right? See, your life is and should be the continuous fragrance of Christ. But you understand from the scriptures now why some, for some people, when you proclaim, let's go back to, to point one, when you proclaim victory in Jesus and when you proclaim and live a lifestyle, uh, you know, not that we're going to be perfect again, we know that, but for some people, you'll be encouraging. It'll be a blessing to them how you live your life. And for other people, they're going to hate you for it. And they will. I remember witnessing to a guy one time when I first got saved. And, and, and look, I know I'm not perfect, but I was trying to share the love of Jesus with him, all that. And he straight up told me, like, man, are you talking all this stuff? He said, man, you're going you're gonna to be the first one to bust hell ride open. He told me that. And I was like, you know, at that point, I, I wanted to lay hands on him without praying. But I thought that, <laughs> that wouldn't have been Christ-like, right? But I got under, I mean, I was a young believer. I was like, man, that's one thing. I'm trying to help get this dude to heaven. He's telling me I'm going to hell. It's like, why? Because the fragrance I was pulling off stunk to him. And he was trying to, and he did get under my skin. I'm going to be honest. I'm confessing my sin in front of all my brothers and sisters right here, or most of them, right? And I didn't. I just, I got aggravated, frustrated. I don't remember. I didn't, I didn't lay hands on him on either way. I did continue to pray for him. But I just think about that. For some people, it's encouraging. For some people, it's not. Right? To some, believers, our fragrance is the fragrance of life and liberty and encouragement. But to unbelievers, the Bible says it's the fragrance of death and doom. Right? Because the, the truth of the gospel that we carry, God's presence that we carry, if you're not believers, that is, we just read it. There is eternal punishment. Amen? And that what it said? We won't be condemned to eternal punishment like the world. If the world does not accept Christ, there will be an eternal punishment. That's why I'm preaching this message again today. Because we got the message of life. Nobody has to experience eternal punishment. We know some will because they will reject the truth of the gospel and the love and the offering of the cross and the blood of Jesus. But I'm here today to say, hey, there's a lot more work to be done, church. 
And we need to continue to go out. Now, how do I, how does this connect with fragrance to the presence of God? Well, you remember, uh, as I mentioned earlier, week one, we talked about we're priests. I'm going to just read two verses real quick to re- re- recap it and refresh your memory. First Peter 2, 5 says, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest. Verse nine says, you are not like that for you are a chosen people. You are a royal priesthood. And you remember we looked at some of the duties of the Old Testament priests. Now let's go back to Aroma and we're talking about the presence of God. I want to read you a verse from the book of Leviticus. And this was God's instruction to Aaron, the high priest. Look at Leviticus 16, 13. It says this, there in the Lord's presence, he will put the incense. He's in the Lord's presence. He will put the incense on the burning coals so that the cloud of incense will rise over the ark's cover, excuse me, the place of atonement that rests in the ark of the covenant. Another thing about smells, smells signify that you've been in proximity with another person. Think about, you know this even for you. If you don't smoke or someone you know doesn't smoke, but you just get around someone that's been smoking and you leave, you're going to smell like smoke, right? Right? So just like this, the priests were, they, they smelled the incense and they were in the presence of God. It's symbolic, right? Incense also symbolizes prayers going up, right? And you see that as well. You can read through it. You see it in Revelation. It talks about incense being the prayers of the saints going up, right? And so, so a smell signifies proximity with another person. I think about this as well. Whenever my kids would go to my mom's house, they always come back smelling like my mom, smelling like her house, right? Or even today, whenever my kids go to Cassie's grandma's, they smell like her grandma's. And you know what they usually smell like? Food, some good smelling food, right? And, uh, and also the thing about a fragrance is that a fragrance lingers behind someone. I was actually, I had finished up this message. I just needed to go over my notes Thursday. And I was, I was working on this and I was telling all my, my lovely ladies by Cassie was bringing the girls to school and they all had just walked out of the laundry room into the, to the garage and the door was still open. I was coming behind them as well. They were all gone, but my laundry room smelled like perfume. Right? Because that scent lingered behind them. Listen to what I'm trying to say. There's a fragrance that you carry when you've been in the presence of God. Just as those priests came out smelling like incense, they were in the presence. There should be a fragrance of us being in the presence of the Lord. Ain't that right, chap? Amen? We should have a a certain fragrance, right? Our life. You could say it's the fruits of the Spirit. Like, what does that mean, Brandon? You're talking about, is there a Christian smelling cologne? No. I'm talking about the fruits of the Spirit, the way you act, your love, the way you you shine. I've seen it on people. I've seen when people have been struggling and in bondage and, 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 and are just not serving the Lord. And then they get their, their lives radically get transformed. They start spending time with Jesus. You've heard and said, seen this before when you say, man, somebody's countenance has changed. Have you ever noticed that? Like, this person looks different now. Why is that? That's the fragrance of Christ. They've been in the presence of Jesus. Now they're carriers of the presence. You can see the the presence of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord in their life, right? So what's your fragrance today? I ain't talking about your cologne or perfume. Does your life smell like you've been in the presence of Jesus? That's some good inventory to take right there. Does your daily life, when you're living and walking out, does it smell like we've been with Jesus? And again, you can't base it off of necessarily lost people because, again, lost people are going to reject it for the most part. But others should be able to be encouraged by it. Amen? 
So we keep carrying his presence, get into the presence of the Lord and realize that when you spend time at the feet of Jesus every day, when you spend time in God's word and praying and worshiping, it's not just for you. Yes, it starts with you. But when you leave and you go out throughout your day, you're a carrier of his presence. And that that very essence of the fruits of the spirit and, and, and the gifts of the spirit and God's presence on your life, I tell you what, can be a powerful and will be a powerful witness to the world. And that's why it's so important. People say, man, I don't know what to say. I don't know. When you're truly a carrier of his presence, a lot of times I've noticed in my life, people will come to you. You ever had somebody ask you, man, what's different about you? Like there's something different about you, man. You're not like everybody else, right? And you could just tell them, I smell like Jesus. Amen. You might not want to tell them that. That might be weird, you know, but, uh, but you know my point, right? You could tell them about Jesus. Yeah, don't, don't tell them you smell like Jesus. That'll mess them up, probably. They'll think you're weird. Don't do that. That's just, that's an in-house comment right now, right? But, but seriously, your life, how you live your life, right? Which leads into number three, keep living the gospel. Yes, there comes a point we got to preach the gospel. we got to explain the gospel. you got to lay it out, too, and let them know what the Bible says and the truth about heaven and hell and, and our sin and the cross. But we got to live the gospel. 2 Corinthians 3, 1 and 3. Are we beginning to praise ourselves again? Are we like others who need to bring you letters of recommendation or who ask you to write such letters on their behalf? Surely not. The only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves, right? Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Watch this. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the results of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pink and in, not a real letter, but with the spirit of the living God, and it is carved on the tablets, not of stone, but on human hearts. He's saying your life is a letter, not an actual letter, right? Our life, the way we live our life. Paul was saying that his ministry was validated in the lives of those who were transformed by the gospel, not by a letter of recommendation. Some of these people were looking for letters of recommendation. He said, man, we don't have to do all of that. The spirit of the living God writes the truth on their hearts and our hearts as living letters. How does this apply? Maybe this is a better way to explain it. We live in the day and age of reviews. Everything is reviewed online, right? Restaurants, barbershops, even churches. Whatever, whatever has a website gets reviewed. Isn't that right? You can go read reviews about anything online, right? It's a recommendation, right? I even heard someone say they're not even willing to eat at a restaurant unless it has at least 4.5 stars. I don't know, some of you like that, like, yeah, that's kind of like me, you know, right? I mean, people are big into reading reviews. If you think about it that way, our life is a review of Christ. You ever stopped and thought about that? If every, let me ask you this question. This is a challenging question for me too. It's even hard for me to ask it. If everyone else who saved acted like you, what would the review be for Christ? How many stars would Christ get if everyone acted like you? Maybe you say, man, hey, that's, I, we'd, we'd have probably three and a half, four stars maybe. But that's basically, that's our day and age of what he's saying here. It's a letter of recommendation. We're, we're a review of Christ. Our life is a letter showing what Christ, who he is, what he's like. Your lifestyle is the message about Jesus. Yes, we have to tell them about it, but listen, your attitudes, your integrity, your relationships, your priorities, 
You and I, not just you, me too. Let me put myself in there. We are the review. Our life is, is, is the letter that people are reading. You've heard it said many times before, but our lives are the only Bible that some people will ever read. You ever heard that saying before? A lot of us have been saved, heard that or right. And it's true. Our life is the only Bible that some people will ever read or ever have read, right? It's how we live and how we respond, which leads into number four. Here's a big one. So remember, keep living the gospel, right? Keep living it. It's been said as well, preach the gospel always and only use words when you have to. Our life should preach the gospel, right? Number four, keep shining when suffering. Ooh, this is a hard one. Keep shining even when suffering. I think this is the biggest, one of the biggest witnessing tools right here. If we're talking about living our living out the gospel, as Paul said, we're letters are written, we're living letters. How do we respond in times of suffering, in times of hardship, in times of trial, right? Second Corinthians 4, 5, and 10 says this. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus is Lord, right? And we ourselves are your servants for Christ's sake, right? So we do preach. We have to tell people Jesus is Lord. There is that part of it. I'm not, I, I, I that's, definitely priority, but for God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made this light shine in our hearts so we can know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts. He's talking to believers here at church. We ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. I love that. This makes it clear that our power is from God and not from ourselves. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but we are never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Come on, somebody, that's some encouraging words for you today. Watch this. Here it is. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus. That doesn't sound encouraging, but look at the last part of that line. So that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. He starts out by saying, listen, we're all fragile clay jars, right? Some of you may be feeling extra fragile or broken today. Listen, if you're born again, you still have a great treasure on the inside of you. Doesn't matter how broken your life may be. You got this great light shining in you called Jesus, called the gospel, right? And, and that's why I'm encouraging you. That's why I call this point, keep shining during suffering. Because, you know, no matter how broken our life is, how hard our life is, we could still shine the light of Christ. Actually, I believe we can shine it greater when we're suffering. We have a greater testimony when we're still doing all the first three things. We're still sharing the victory of the Lord. We're still living out the gospel even through suffering. You see, the apostle Paul wasn't afraid to suffer because he knew that God would guard the vessel as long as Paul guarded the treasure. Let me say that again. He knew that God would guard the vessel, the fragile jar, as long as we guard the treasure. See, when we suffer, church, Christ can shine through us. If we die to ourselves, which the Bible commands us to do, then the life of Christ is revealed in us. We don't want people to see us. We want people to see Jesus, right? Dr. John Henry Jewett said this, ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Let me say that again. Ministry that costs nothing accomplishes nothing. Living for Jesus is going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some heartache. It's going to cost you some trials. It's going to cost you some suffering. Can I get an amen? A lot of you already know that. 
You've been through it. You're walking through it. And if you haven't yet, I'm just here to warn you and prepare you. You will walk through it. Specifically for serving Jesus. The very people you try to help are going to come against you. The very people you pour your life into are going to come at you. That's the cost of suffering, of, of, of serving Jesus. But hey, ministry, it costs nothing, it accomplishes nothing. That's part of it. We will all go through suffering. But listen, church, the way you handle suffering and trials can be a powerful witness to the power and the grace of God. For, for many of us are familiar with the scripture. I just have to put it in there. I looked at it, tweaking it a few ways, but Paul was in, had thorn in his flesh. He was suffering, whatever that was. He says this in 2 Corinthians 12, 8 and 10. Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. If we're honest, when we go through suffering, we're like Paul a lot of times. We beg the Lord, Lord, make it stop. Can we, can we be honest in church? Lord, would you just deliver me, take it away and all that stuff? And each time he said, my grace is all you need. And there's a purpose. Why is his grace sufficient? Why is his grace all we need? Because my power works best in weakness. Then Paul, this is, Jesus tells him that. Paul starts talking again. He says, so now I am glad to boast about my weakness so the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. I ain't gonna lie to you. I still ain't got to that part yet. I'm just gonna be real with y'all. I still haven't taken pleasure in being, in suffering and being weak. Maybe one day, amen? But it's a mindset. He says, and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ, for when I am weak, I am strong. See, Paul got to a point in his life where he knew that even though I go through these hardships and this weakness and persecution and people come at me and do all of these kind of things, you know what? In that, Christ can shine through me even better. Because there will be something supernatural that's flowing through me. It's not just me. Now let's go back and read 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 10 again. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be in our bodies. So listen, let's go through that again. When you're pressed and not crushed, you get to, God, to show God's grace in your physical body. You go through sickness, you go through, through illness and different things, but you can show the grace of God, the power of God, and the glory of God through your physical bodies. When you're perplexed but not in despair, you get to show God's great in your mental stability. You can show that God's gracious and powerful when you go through the hardest times and you're perplexed. You're, you're, you're pressed on every side, right? It shows the grace and power of God. When you're persecuted but not abandoned by God, you have to know you're never abandoned. He will never leave you nor forsake you. You get to show God's grace in your relationships. And when you're knocked down but not destroyed, you get to show grace for the long haul. This is endurance. We get knocked down, but we're not knocked out, right? We, we show that, listen, the grace of God is with us. Have you ever been through something that after you come through it, you thought, man, I never thought I'd be able to go through something like that? I've heard people say, like, man, I could never... I don't think I, I, I would ever be able to handle losing a child. And I've watched multiple people walk through losing a child. Very, very difficult, very tough, but you can, get, you can make it through. You can get through it, amen? The grace of God, as I'm looking at some faces around in here that have been through that and still sitting here in church this morning deciding to serve the Lord. Why? Because even though we get knocked down, we're not destroyed. We're not done. We're not knocked out. God will give us the grace for the long haul. And the fifth and final thing, 
We need to keep moving. As I wrap up this whole series, keep it moving. We need to keep moving as an ambassador. That's the last imagery I want to show you that Paul shows. 2 Corinthians 5.20, we're reading the Amplified. It says, so we are ambassadors for Christ. As though Christ were making his appeal through us, we as Christ's representatives plead with you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. So if you thought that that whole review illustration wasn't that accurate, here's more confirmation. We are Christ's representatives. We are representing him everywhere we go every day. See, because of rebellion, mankind was the enemy of God and out of fellowship with God. So through the work of the cross, Jesus Christ has brought people and God together. Actually, the basic meaning of the word reconcile is to change thoroughly. It refers to a changed relationship between God and the lost world. So this wonderful doctrine of reconciliation should motivate us to serve Christ even more. And we are his ambassadors. What a great honor. We're representatives, ambassadors. We're carriers of his presence. And we're here. Christ is making his appeal through us for a world, a lost world to be reconciled to God. Now listen, there was two different kind of provinces in the Roman Empire. One of the provinces was made up of people who were peaceful and were not at war with, with, with Rome. But the second, these were people that were surrendered and submitted, submitted. But the imperial provinces were not peaceful. They were dangerous because they would rebel against Rome. They could rebel against Rome at any time. It was necessary for Rome to send ambassadors to the imperial provinces to make sure that rebellion did not break out. Remember, this is the picture that he's given. They would have understood this at this time. For us today, since we're ambassadors of Christ, he has sent us into the world to declare peace, not war. Amen? We're not going to crush a rebellion. We're trying to encourage rebellious people to come into peace. Amen? So that's a side note. By the way, you're not called uh, to, to, to win arguments. You're not called, if you're going to go to war, go to war, go to war with the enemy and, 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 his, and his demons. Amen? We do spiritual warfare. The Apostle Paul says this war that we fight is not a fleshly one. We're not fighting flesh and blood enemies, right? If you want to go to war, go to war in prayer and in the spirit. Be an ambassador of Christ, offering the truth. Yes, the truth of the gospel, that there is a heaven and a hell, and not everybody's going to both, but we can be ambassadors of peace. Amen? I saw a meme years ago, and it was this guy fussing, and, 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 and it was Jesus, you know what I'm talking about, grabbing him, and it, it says, come in. he's like, come on, I called you to win souls, not win arguments. I wonder if some of us have got it twisted in the church as believers. We're trying to win arguments with the lost instead of trying to win them to the Lord. We're ambassadors of peace. Amen? What a privilege it is, right, to be heaven's ambassador to a lost world. Listen, and remember this, church, and I know this is hard, but this is the truth. This will help you because people will reject you. Going back to the fragrance, right, it's death and doom to some people. So some people will reject you, but remember, you're Christ's representative. He's appealing through you, so when they reject the message, they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And that, that's one of the ways you can keep your emotions out of it. And you can understand that, like, man, they might argue with you, but they're arguing with the truth of the gospel, right? It's Jesus they're actually rejecting. Amen. So as we close and wrap up this ser- sermon and this series, I just want to encourage you. Some of the ways that we go out 
Again, yes, we got to present the gospel. And I've preached whole messages on how to do that and what to do. But, but, but Paul gives us this imagery. Again, let's continue to celebrate Christ's victory. Like we're on a, a championship parade every day. Amen. Some of these teams, well, like the Chiefs, they had it two years in a row, but some teams have to wait years. At least even the Chiefs, if they do it again, they got to wait another year to have a victory parade. We could have one every day. We could sell it. It don't matter what team you go for, pull for, which season of sports it is. We got a victory parade every day we could be a part of. We can celebrate Christ's victory, right? Share Christ's victory. Remember, keep carrying his presence. When you get into the presence of God, you spend time with Jesus. You leave, you carry you can have a fragrance you carry with you. Keep living out the gospel. You may be suffering right now. I want to pray for you. Keep shining during suffering and keep moving as an ambassador. Now, I want to read one more verse that stops short in verse 20, but listen to this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Are you right with God? As we saw clearly in, in communion, there will be an eternal punishment for those who reject Jesus. But we see right here, it's very clear that Jesus, who never sinned, offered himself as a sin. So you and I can be made right with God. Would you do me a favor, every head bowed, every eye closed, just out of respect and reverence i do this a lot just so you're not distracted either you're not looking around i appreciate if nobody moving around nobody getting up at this time i would appreciate it if you say brandon i don't know if i'm right with god we just read that there will be eternal punishment the good news is john 3 16 jesus himself said god so loved the world that whoever that that in sin is only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish that perish is that eternal punishment that corinthians speaks of but have everlasting life. The opposite of eternal punishment is eternal glory. So if you said, Brandon, I don't know where I would be spending my turn, even if you watch it online, and you say, today I need to get right with God. That's the first and foremost thing. I need to get right with him. I'm not sure if I'm even right. That's you. Just slip up your hand and say, man, that's me. That's me. I don't know what awaits me in eternity. Ma'am, I see your hand. Sir, anybody else over here? Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else? Say, man, that's me. That's me. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Say, I need to get right with the Lord. He said, Brandon, I was once right, right with Jesus and I've, I fell away. I went away. I need to resurrender my life to him today. That's you. Just slip up your hand. Even if you're watching online, I see you over here, sir. Amen. Amen. Over here, different hands going up. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being bold. Come on. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Can we pray together as a family? All of you that raise your hand and all of us as a family, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me. Lord, thank you for dying in my place. Lord, I know that I've sinned and I repent of my sin. I surrender my life to you today. Lord Jesus, would you help me to keep on moving up towards you, moving in with my relationships, in the body of Christ and moving out to share your word with a lost world around me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. Come on, let's rejoice with these. Come on, celebrate as we talked about, celebrating in victory. These that just made that decision today, amen. If you've made that decision, fill out the connection card in the chair in front of you. Click the connection card link online. Come on, can we stand up together?
And let's pray that we would keep on moving. Can I get the pastors to come up here? And, and uh, pastors, pastors, wives, any altar workers. As I just talked about suffering, I, I don't want to go over that lightly. I know it's hard. It's tough to go through suffering and to be in the thick of it and to go through life and to serve the Lord and to do all these things. If you need prayer for anything today, but especially if you feel like, Brandon, I've been in the thick of suffering right now. And it's, I've been, maybe you, you feel like you, man, you haven't been a strong witness in times of suffering. As we close right now, begin to make your way to the altar right now. And the rest of us, I know I just prayed it, but come on, let's continue to move upward. Focus on the heavenly calling, the heavenly focus, right? Our heavenly home. Let's continue to work on our relationships inside the body of Christ. Get connected to a life group. Get connected in next steps and, and, and moving forward. And come on, let's ask the Lord to help us to bring the gospel out. Amen. How many of you say, Brandon, I want to be an ambassador for Christ? If that's you, lift up your hands and let's all pray together. Say, that's me, Lord. You see us. Here we are, Lord. Send us. As the prophet Isaiah said, Lord, send us. Here we are, Lord. We want to be ambassadors for Jesus. We want to continue to bring the world, uh, the, the word to the world, Lord God. Bring Christ and the gospel, the truth of the gospel to the lost and the hurting world around us, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to be, uh, Lord God, that fragrance of Christ everywhere we go, Lord. Help us to celebrate even today the victory, to be carriers of your presence. Help us to live the gospel and to shine even while suffering. Lord, I pray for a greater anointing that we keep it moving as ambassadors and keep our lives moving to seek you and serve you and be a light for you each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody said amen and amen. Well, God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, the altar team will be down here. If not, uh, we love you. We'll see you soon. Last XO Marriage Teachings Wednesday night. Have a great day.